Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Up next, Out Loud with John O'Caldwell, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. A mob riots at the Capitol, big tech bans Donald Trump, and Republicans wonder where to go from here. Today, I dig into all the chaos of last week. This is Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. We've got so much to get to this episode. After a week that we won't soon forget, my guest today is here to break it all down. Her name is Liz Willer. She's an author, TV host, and conservative political commentator. From 2015 to 2020, she hosted the popular show Tipping Point, with Liz Willer on One American News Network. In 2019, Liz published her first book, Tipping Points, How to Topple the Left's House of Cards. We're going to discuss all the big news that everyone's talking about and the path forward for the Republican Party. Let's go. Well, welcome to the show. One of my very good friends, Liz Willer, known you for a number of years. So excited to have you. You're one of the smartest people I know and so excited to have you on Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. How are you doing? Gianno, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And it is true. We've known each other almost since the beginning of both of our respective political careers. We were sort of up and comers uh, together. So it's been really fun to watch your career blossom and look where we are now. Um, this past week, we we saw something that our country never expected. We saw a riot at our, our U.S. Capitol. Um, there's been a lot of conversation in terms of what that means to our country. Uh, it's been condemned from leaders nationally and globally in terms of President Trump encouraging his supporters to go to the Capitol. Of course, we know that he didn't tell them to go and riot or right. break into the Capitol. We know that that's, that's not the case. Um, but he has very passionate supporters, and certainly there was the people's business going on at that time in terms of certifying the election. I've myself said President Trump should have not encouraged his supporters to go there because you just never know what they're going to do, especially at a time like that. What's your reaction to what happened at the Capitol? Well, I think condemnation is first. You know, that needs to be said first. And this should be a nonpartisan, nonpolitical thing when people commit violence in the name of political differences that is unequivocally wrong. Um, and I commend, actually, the entire conservative movement and the entire Republican Party 
for recognizing that immediately. You can contrast that with how the left responded this summer to the Black Lives Matter riots, the Antifa violence, burning cities, you know, Kenosha for one, Milwaukee. Um, there wasn't condemnation. There was almost a complicity, at least a rhetorical complicity on that side. So I'm really proud of our side for recognizing that even if there's legitimate grievances that these people felt being violent, storming the Capitol, hurting Capitol police officers, even murdering one is not the answer. That yeah. is unequivocally not the answer. I think, though, that the mainstream media and the left jumped on it immediately, as you and I, Gianno, were who work in media, would expect, and they twisted it. They made it seem, A, like President Trump had called for violence, when if you look at the transcripts of what he said, he unequivocally did not call for violence. He even used the word peacefully and powerfully protest at the Capitol, I believe was his phrase. He then condemned those who did riot, those who did commit violence, and told them to go home. If that had been the behavior from any other president aside from Trump, he would have been applauded by the mainstream media for handling it properly. This is not something that is an objective analysis by the mainstream media looking at Trump's behavior. They've had it out for him for five years, and they're using this just as their last hammer shot home before he's out of office. They wanted to vilify him. They wanted to demonize him. And yes, he's not always the smoothest with his rhetoric. To say, I love you to the people who rioted in that initial video, that's not a wise thing to say, right? right. Because you know it's going to be misconstrued. But even so, even if it lacks wisdom, it's not the same as calling for violence. Those are the first two things. The, the third thing that I would say is this is not representative of those who voted for President Trump. 75 million people, Gianno, you and I among them, voted for this man uh, to be president of the United States. And the vast, vast, vast majority of us are nonviolent. There are fringes on the left and there are fringes on the right. The guy, for example, who was on the House floor with those horns on his head, I mean, this guy is like a conspiracy theorist who's in his 30s, who lives in his mother's basement. I mean, he's an absolute ne'er-do-well loser and he doesn't represent Trump voters, but the left, of course, wants to conflate that guy with all of us. Yeah, and you you know I've actually because I know that President Trump realizes that he has very passionate supporters, and certainly I don't believe by any measure that you can indict all folks who supported President Trump, whether they voted for him or not, whether they supported his policies or not, and say that this has to do with all of them. And I honestly I know that, that, that these are very passionate people who went out there, and I've actually condemned President Trump for even encouraging them because you just never know what might happen in that in that stint. So I do agree that this should be condemned on all all ends. But you should never be trying to indict uh, all the Trump supporters for the actions of a few. And they would never do that if this was people in a BLM movement or anywhere else. So I absolutely agree, uh, agree with you on that. And we saw over the summer, as you mentioned, uh, riots across the country carried out by Antifa and some members of the BLM movement. And the left not only did not condemn him, we saw Joe Biden who ignored it during the DNC convention. And it wasn't until his poll numbers began to be impacted because folks in the suburbs said, hey, why is this allowed to go on that they made any statements with regards to it? Uh, we should be against violence at all times, not just when it's politically yeah. convenient for us. I mean, right. what are the thoughts about the continuation of this? Because I'm beginning to believe that some of these protests we've seen, I know that there's a Joe Biden presidency that's going to happen. It seems as though this may not be the end of it in terms of the protests we might might have seen during the country in terms of racial justice. 
Well, protests, I have no problem with. And this is where I guess I would disagree just slightly with you or push back just slightly. I have no problem with President Trump encouraging protests from his supporters. You know, anybody with any grievance is allowed to protest for any reason. And I have zero problem with that. Even if I disagree with, you know, the premise of Antifa or the premise of Black Lives Matter, even if somebody disagrees with the premise of the Trump rally in the Capitol, I don't care if President Trump says go to the Capitol and protest. That's the people's way of communicating with their representatives, whether or not we agree that their grievances are valid. And I think it's a very slippery slope if we allow the left to conflate actions. And what I mean by that is words matter, right? You and I talked have talked a million times about this, actually, for every kind of issue. When the left tries to obliterate objective truth, when they say there is no such thing as gender, no man, no woman, no right, no wrong, that makes a difference because what happens is they set up an environment where they can take a comment and you can you know, look at Twitter, for example, Twitter banned President Trump for two reasons because he tweeted that he would not be attending Joe Biden's inauguration, and because he said his 75 million supporters, the people who voted for him, American patriots, he called them, would not be ignored. So those are two like rather innocuous things, right? Like mm-hmm. you can debate whether it's rude not to go to an election of your, of your successor. You can debate, I guess, whether 75 million Americans, because they didn't win the election, are going to be ignored. But there's nothing incendiary about either of those two things. But when we obliterate objective truth, when we let the left redefine words, then they can literally say, and this is what Twitter did, they can look at President Trump's tweets and say, that could be interpreted by someone as inciting violence. And objectively, Gianna, you and I would look at that and say, well, no, it couldn't. He's not encouraging violence. He's saying nothing about violence. He's saying, I'm not going to Joe Biden's inauguration. Well, so what? But if you allow the left to tell you that one word actually means something else, then they're going to be able to define anybody's words to mean anything they want to mean to serve their agenda. And and you mentioned this, and we're talking about big tech and after aftermath of storming the Capitol, we know that they're silenced or rather trying to silence President Trump on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and they've banned them. This censorship is very slippery slope. What are your thoughts on the suppression we've seen in the past few days? I know you lost a lot of followers. I lost yeah. over 15,000 followers. I know there's yeah, been a lot of other people. 57,000 followers you yeah. lost? Yep. Yep. I checked about an hour ago, actually. Because um, that's not even a count I generally keep track of. But 57,000 followers is how many followers I've lost. Um, I mean, it's terrible, right? I It's hard for me to believe that even left-wing voters, I'm not talking about swamp creatures in Washington, D.C. It's hard for me to imagine that the average liberal in our country thinks that this kind of censorship and silencing is okay, because it's it's not. It's not what our country is about. It's yeah. it's terrible to see what's happening. They actually want, I've warned about this for a long time. People have actually accused me of being hyperbolic about it, and I haven't been, yeah. but they want to take conservatives and they want to socially ostracize us. They want us to be unemployable, They want us to have our free speech restricted. They want to label us as violent, radical extremists so that they can force us to either remove ourselves from polite society, as they say, or else conform to their radical leftist ideology. I have been saying this for years now, that this is their goal. We've seen it in every arena. We saw it in Religious Liberty with Jack Phillips at Masterpiece Cake Shop. They wanted to close down his business because of his Christian beliefs. 
We right. saw this with Little Sisters of the Poor and Obamacare. They sued Catholic nuns because they wouldn't fund abortifacient birth control. You know, with some gun groups, they denied them bank accounts because they didn't want them to exercise their Second Amendment rights. They don't want conservatives to have the right to protest, the right to free speech, because they want to label that as violence, as a pretext to ban it. You know, what's interesting about that is, yes, you, you've you been warning it. A lot of other conservatives have been warning about this. And a lot of folks on the left and in the mainstream have said, you know, this is just a fringe opinion. And yeah. they, they've said that in general, and then they've said, oh, it was social media because 90% of conservatives, there was a, a, a study that showed that 90% of conservatives believe that social media was pretty much out to get them and censor them. And people have said, oh, that's not true. You know, th this is just some lie that is being pushed on the right and it's not true. And then you see people are purging, yeah. purging accounts. You, you, you barely can post anything without being considered banned. And you saw just recently where there was a, a trending topic of hang Mike Pence. Yes. How is the hang Mike Pence thing not inciting violence? The the double standard is terrible. And here here's a confession, Gianno. I have to say over the past couple of years, there have been times that other conservatives have made allegations that big tech is censoring them. They'll say, oh, I'm, I've been shadow banned on Twitter. My tweets aren't getting the same you know, reach that they used to. And honestly, I'm always a little bit skeptical when someone says that. I'm usually like, well, are you sure it's really that good of a tweet? <laughs> I, I'm just full disclosure. That's what I tend to think. However, this takes it to a whole new level. And this is the second part of it. I started believing more of the big tech censorship this summer when I myself, and again, this is my fault for not believing, I guess, but I myself was subject to a quote unquote fact check from Facebook which are these left-wing organizations that pretend that they're just checking the facts when really they're marking you as fake news based on their differing opinion with you. And the result of that is you either get demonetized, your reach is reduced, you have no ability to have a platform on Facebook. And this has happened to me. It happened to me, coincidentally, the day I went uh, independent and two months before the presidential election when I was having a huge impact on um, the national conversation on this debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Those are the first things that happen. The second thing that happens is this full out censorship. But I mean, there's simply no argument that it is happening at this point. Now, walk us through this, because this there was a story done on you in the USA, uh, USA Today, yes. wasn't it? So I do this video on a weekly basis called Five Things, Five Stories the Mainstream Media Refuses to Report. And I reported very early in the summer, I think it was May, that the Wisconsin elections that were happening, you know, it was the first big group election, you know, quote unquote, it during COVID that they did not, it did not serve as a super spreader event as the mainstream media had warned and then insinuated after it happened. You know, it was one of those things where like, oh, if people go out and vote, they're definitely going to get COVID. We have to do mail-in ballots. And I was like, well, wait a second, let's look and see what happened. I'm not the only one that said that. People conducted actual studies, contact tracing, and found that the elections were not a significant vector of transmission. There was actually no real transmission that happened because they social distanced and did all, you know, all their different mitigation protocols. And so I did a little portion of that final point or that video that I make that said what the mainstream media won't tell you. They won't tell you that after their warnings that the Wisconsin election would be a super spreader event, actually the statistics show it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So USA Today, they claimed that they couldn't find any mainstream media outlets who had made the claim that Wisconsin was a super spreader event. And I'm just like, mind blown. Like, did you hear 
the coverage and the chatter and the narratives that were going down the liberal pipeline leading up to this election and then the silence after it when they were wrong and they didn't want to report that they were wrong. So they claimed that I had been misleading or told a lie or exaggerated all because they didn't want that facts to come to light because had it come to light in the way that it should have we would never have had the mail-in voting which ultimately in my opinion led to uh joe biden winning the election you know i think that's really interesting and i want to pick up from there in a moment but first let's take a quick break like many of us you might think identity theft will never happen to you but consider this There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Sticking with social media, uh, what do you think should be done in terms of these social media giants? Should they be treated just like regular publications instead of platforms? Should we be looking yeah. at more antitrust losses because they're too much like monopolies what what do you think both i mean i think we all know some about section 230 and it, it served its purpose right it's kind of like unions in the past they served their purpose and now it's time to abolish public sector unions that's the same sort of thing with section 230 there are arguments to be made about the benefits that it brings and there's no doubt that 
in everything in life, right? There's benefits and then there's downsides, but the downsides of Section 230 now very clearly outweigh the benefits because these big tech companies are treated as uh, platforms, which means they are not liable for what you or I or crazy, you know, XYZ next door says. Right. Yet part of that stipulation of Section 230 is that they cannot editorialize at all. They have to just provide people a platform, a neutral platform, and they're not part of what's said at all. Well, they're clearly not doing that, right? They're right. a big part, a big part of editorializing. In fact, I don't know an editor that's as picky as Twitter and Facebook uh, are being about what other people post. So they can't have it both ways. If they want to editorialize, totally fine. That's their right. They're private companies, but they can't be protected from the liability of what they do if they want to editorialize. That's simply how the law is written and ought to be interpreted. That's the first thing. The second thing is we should enforce the laws on our books. This is the problem with a lot of different issues in our country. We actually have laws against it. They're just not enforced properly. Immigration is an example of that, but that's a different topic for a different day. But monopoly laws, of course they should be enforced. We already have them. We don't need to target big tech with some new type of legislation. We should just subject them to antitrust investigations and if they qualify as a monopoly they shouldn't be allowed to operate like that because that's the law of our land you know what's, what's interesting and I, I i tweeted this recently because i i'm gonna be honest as a, a republican for well well over a decade i mean i'm not that old so i, I don't know how much everything means to a lot of people but I, I feel as though the the gop has failed us in terms of really ensuring that big tech doesn't have as much influence that it has in 20 I believe it was 2018, there was almost 245 million people in the United States that were involved in social media. Almost 20% of those individuals get their political opinions from social media. And now big tech is editorializing content. And for a lot of conservatives, I mean, if you, you talk to just about anybody, they feel as though they're under attack personally. That's whether yeah. you have one follower, follower or three million. People really feel as though they're being targeted and the Republican Party did not protect us from it when they had every opportunity to do so. Yeah. What, what do you think of that? I mean, in the very recent history, meaning in the last month, I'm very disappointed in the Republican Party. I thought President Trump vetoing the defense bill to get Section 230 reform in there uh, was a good move. I mean, mm -hmm. he sees he saw what was happening. This wasn't hypothetical at that point. Republican senators should have known better. They can see what's happening, too. And they did nothing. Republicans had, had an opportunity to make this happen and they did nothing. That's why Republicans get so frustrated with career politicians. Because when we have these opportunities, these career politicians lack a killer instinct. They don't say, we're gonna play hardball on this deal. We're gonna get a provision that we want. No, just Nancy Pelosi gets everything she wants and Republicans who had the majority in the Senate and the presidency get left in the dust. It's yeah. it's unfathomable to me. It's so annoying. My question to you is going forward, will the Republican Party still be the party of Donald Trump should, or should it be? Like what, what, what should we expect? It feels like we need something new, fresh and different than what we've been seeing as of re recent. Well, let's talk about the stimulus checks for a second because there's this narrative that's circulating amongst many people on the right blaming Mitch McConnell for not voting on the $2,000 stimulus check and saying, well, that's why, you know, Republicans lost the Senate in Georgia because Joe Biden went down there and said on day one, I'll give you a $2,000 check. There was a poll down, a survey down that showed that the $2,000 stimulus checks were as popular as like football in Georgia, 
right? So in a sense, people are blaming Mitch McConnell for that, but I wanna take it a step deeper, a step uh, in a more complex manner. I wanna look at this in a more nuanced sense and ask this question, why were Republicans in the lose-lose situation to begin with? Meaning it's actually not smart to give people $2,000. It's not gonna help people who are actually losing their business. $2,000 might help for a month, but it's a token effort that politicians use to comfort their own consciences for how much they've hurt the American people. It is not a game changer for people in need. So we need to understand that first of all. So why were we in this lose-lose situation where we had this choice between spending a lot of money, and I mean a lot of money, going into debt that's gonna be on the shoulders of our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, or if we didn't do something so fiscally risky and irresponsible, we would lose the election. How did we get into that position? Because that's a choice, a lose-lose, that you should be able to have the forethought to see coming and make decisions accordingly to avoid that. And here's what I mean. We have to go back even further and look at how even Republicans handled the COVID-19 crisis. Even President Trump is not, he is culpable in some ways for how he handled the COVID-19 crisis. You know, how he elevated Dr. Fauci, how he was very much against Georgia reopening when they initially, after the quote unquote first wave, wanted to reopen their economy. We have to look at actions that lead us into situations where we're in a lose-lose to try to avoid that. It's like chess thinking versus checkers thinking. And I think if the Republican party doesn't reform the way that we think to start avoiding some of these lose-lose situations, then what's gonna happen? We're gonna continue losing. So even in the unprecedented pandemic where we've seen business after business shut down, whatever, what, no matter what state you're in, I mean, with the exception of Florida, which has been great in Texas, I, I think they've also been great and they've handled it pretty well yeah. in terms of understanding. For example, I'm in Florida right now. Rhonda Santos understands that it's not just COVID-19 that kills, poverty kills too. But we're in a situation that we've never really experienced as a country. The American people have been sending over $3 trillion of their money to the federal government in the form of corporate income. Isn't it right to say in a situation like this that they should get some aid? I mean, businesses absolutely deserve aid. That's what we saw like some of the stimulus PPP money. I think that's appropriate. What, why is it wrong for them to get $2,000 of that money? I know the debt is a big issue. We've been seeing the debt I go mean, I up. I don't think it's a right and wrong issue. I think it's a smart and dumb issue. Like if we okay. want business owners to survive, we need to let them open their businesses and run their businesses. A hundred percent. I mean, my, my family is full of small business owners. Some people, some of members of my family, my sister, for example, has been absolutely, you know, hammered by these shutdowns. Her business is basically destroyed. $2,000 barely pays for a month of rent and compensation for what she's lost. You know, like I said, it's, it's basically token. It's not a matter of don't they deserve something? Yeah, they deserve a government that doesn't tell them that they can run their business. The government that doesn't tell them that they have to shut down a government that doesn't say, sorry, too bad. You know, we're going to live, we're going to continue to collect our paychecks and live our cushy lifestyle. And we're going to throw you some, uh, some money that Nancy Pelosi, by the way, once described an equivalent amount as being quote crumbs. It's a matter of, is it actually going to help people or what is going to protect people's livelihoods? Well, also sure 
protecting against COVID. And Gianna, it's been nine months, more yeah. than that, almost 10 months. We know that the lockdowns themselves, shutting down businesses, that doesn't work. It destroys people's lives. It destroys their livelihoods. The lockdowns lead to deaths too, just as COVID-19 does. I agree. So, I 100% like I said, agree. I don't blame politicians necessarily for how they handled it the first month. The first six weeks, we didn't know what it was. We were told that it was going to be this horribly deadly pandemic that was going to cause millions and millions of deaths in our own country. And then we started getting the actual facts about it. We realized that it is very risky for elderly people. It's not very risky for young, healthy people. It's basically not a risk at all for children. The vectors of transmission are not schools. They're not retail businesses. They're not even restaurants and bars. I think New York City's own data showed that transmission in bars was like 1% of cases were transmitted in bars and restaurants. I mean, there are some governors, Ron DeSantis included, who recognize the scientific facts about this virus and are taking mitigation measures based on the facts. But most other politicians in our nation are not. They're basing it off of maybe their political agenda, maybe their own mass hysteria, their own fear, their own desire for power, whatever it is, their lack of understanding and compassion for non-government officials, for everyday working people. And so I have no patience for those politicians as I see my own family members' businesses being shut down. $2,000 is nothing compared to a year's salary, a year investment in everything that they've lost. And, and I don't disagree with that. I just think people should get something. I also think in terms of how they build out the, the policies in terms of the stimulus where they're like, oh, well, last year you made $100,000 or $300,000 or $400,000. Um, you can't get any of this particular stimulus money when you may have zero today is just like insulting and stupid. That That's yeah. my point of view. I just think that there has to be something done. Opening a business, absolutely. But if your business has been shut down for nine months, you may not have money to open your business. So right. you I, I don't do disagree something. with that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I don't disagree with that. I just think that we have to engage in a more complex form of thinking as politicians, basically. We have to engage in a more complex form of thinking so that we don't get ourselves into that situation where... We're saying, okay, your business has been shut down for nine months, which means morally the government, of course, has an obligation to give you something if they've taken everything away from you, yeah. yet it's not really going to help and it's going to cause a fiscal, a massive fiscal deficit, which we know is also a national security risk. Because I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you when you say, you know, they deserve something if the government shut them down. Of course. Yeah. I just think that smart politicians, politicians of integrity, if such a thing exists, could think ahead and avoid these lose-lose situations. Right. That's what I'm frustrated the most in, in politics. Yeah, no, and, and that I absolutely agree with you. On, the, on another note, Senator John Throne, the Republican from South Dakota, who's also the Senate Majority Whip, said, I think our identity, quote, I think our identity from the past several years now has been, been around, built around an individual, and we got to get back to where it is built on a set of ideas and principles and policies and I'm sure those conversations will be held, but it needs to happen pretty soon. Would you agree with that? And what's 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 the path forward? I, I just I don't understand. I think I feel like we're, we're a party where we're really trying to figure things out because largely we've not necessarily had a roadmap that's clear. And a yeah. lot of people are really concerned. I think we're going to we've lost a lot of voters. People are upset whether they came in because they just believed in Donald Trump and they wanted to support his presidency. They feel as though the party has failed. 
And then people who have been conservatives and Republicans for decades, they're saying, you know what? I'm giving up on the Republican Party. They're not going to go vote for Democrats, but they're just not going to vote at all. So, I mean, yeah. where does that really leave us? There's a lot of confusion going on today. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you something that I, I speak at the Young America's Foundation often. And one of the things that I always tell the high school or the college students is um, you should base your political loyalty on principle, not on politician. Yes. You must resist putting a politician on a pedestal for several reasons. First of all, they will always disappoint you because there's never going to be someone who agrees with you 100% unless it's yourself. And second of all, when you elevate a politician to a pedestal position, you are giving them, at least in your own mind, power that we should not be giving them. You are giving them an unprecedented amount of um, power, and that's dangerous. So it's actually basically a very non-sexy solution. We need to care less about politicians and more about policy issues. And we live in a cult of personality. I mean, look at how we always are elevating different kinds of politicians and public figures and Hollywood celebrities. Our culture has a problem with the cult of personality. We are applying that to people and to politicians instead of to God as we should. So I know this is not an easy answer, but we need to think in a cultural sense, why are we disordered in this way where we deify politicians? I mean, Democrats did it to Obama, Republicans did it to Trump. Why are we in a position where our loyalty comes first to the person versus the principle? If we can reorder our minds to only support people who are likewise defending the principle, our parties, both of them actually, would be much better off. Absolutely. I agree with you. I want to continue from there right after we take a quick break. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Now, do you see any future leaders on the right beyond Trump that, that catch your eye that would be the real future leaders of the party? Oh, that's an interesting question. Isn't that always fun to play who's going to be on the uh, primary debate stage in 2024? <laughs> I, I mean, there's there's tons of them. Think about different governors. There's Ron DeSantis. There's, you know, Governor Abbott of Texas. There's um, there's Nikki Haley. There's there's governors. All of, there's actually a lot of Republican governors who are very qualified. We've gotten and this is interesting. We've gotten in the past since Obama, we've gotten away from governors being political candidates and towards senators being political candidates when it for president. I mean, when it used to be the other way around. Right. It used to be the governors that would take the next step to the White House and the senators you know, kept their place in the Senate. Now, senators go to the Senate because they want to be the president. So in addition to those governors, you know, we have the whole slew of Republican senators who wanted to be the nominee in uh, 2016, who I'm sure are going to uh, run again. So there's not going to be a shortage of choices in 2024. I think it's going to be a very crowded primary stage. Now, you're a very young conservative. I don't want to say <laughs> Thank you. age. I don't want to say 31 years young, Gianno. Okay, so you're in your 30s. I didn't want to say that, but you're in your 30s. What do you think uh, conservatives need to do to reach out to younger voters? Um, I think they need to listen to the concerns of younger voters, and they need to not try to convince younger voters to be worried about things that they aren't worried about or not to worry about things that they are worried about. They need to meet the concerns of young people where they are and then explain how conservative policies best address the pre-existing issues that young people are worried about. Because right now, Republicans have a tendency to not really actively listen to young people, but just to say, actually, this is what you should be concerned about. And young people who've been told you know, for years that the world is about to end for climate change, you're like, what do I care about my grandchildren's fiscal deficit? And there is a reason they should care, but politicians need, Republican politicians need to listen to young people and explain how conservative policies answer the pre-existing concerns that young people have instead of trying to tell them to be concerned about something else. Now, on January 20th, Joe Biden will become the president of the United States. Will this be a third term of Obama or what should we expect from his administration? Oh, I think he's going to be much more radical than Obama. Look at who he's surrounding himself with. I mean, Barack Obama was the most radical leftist president that we had had up until that point. But I think the people who Joe Biden has surrounded himself with, perhaps the people who are making Joe Biden's decisions and controlling much of Joe Biden's policy direction, they are much more blatantly leftist than Obama was because he at least tried to be nuanced about it and tried. He didn't. I'm not saying he succeeded policy wise, but he didn't admit Oh, I'm a socialist. Oh, I'm a Marxist. Oh, I think we should ban guns. I think that we should 
you know, stifle religious liberty. All the people Joe Biden is surrounding himself with, including probably most importantly, Kamala Harris, his vice presidential running mate, are extremely extreme radical leftists. If they have control of the Senate, the House and the presidency, Gianna, the next two years before the midterms are going to be a bloodbath. And I don't mean that literally. I mean, a bloodbath of policy um, that's go- that's obliterating essentially our constitutional principles. Yeah, and, and Kamala Harris has been rated the most liberal senator, even beyond Bernie Sanders. Beyond that, do you predict there's going to be some infighting between Biden and the more progressive Bernie and AOC wing of the Democratic Party? Yeah, for sure. And by the way, let me go back for a second because Media Matters always tracks every single thing that I say. So I want to give additional context so they don't lie about the word that I used, especially in the wake of the Capitol riots. When I say bloodbath, I do not mean a physical bloodbath. I meant uh, the on the chopping block would be our constitutional rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, our individual liberties, our freedom as a nation. That's what I meant when I said that, just for any liberal who's looking to take me out of context. Make sure you listen to my full comment before you misquote me or misconstrue what I say. Isn't it fun being conservative, Gianno? <laughs> um, <laughs> just wanted to put that up there. No, I mean, and and you're so right to do so because legitimately now it seems like it's such an interesting and sensitive time where liberals in places like Media Matters, they're really trying to take us out of context. So it's good that you provided that, but it was clear enough for everyone who was listening that they knew (laughs) exactly what you you were saying and you clarified it as soon as you said it so people can understand. But thank you for providing that additional clarification. Of course, of course. Um, but as, as back to your question, which is, is there going to be conflict between the radical leftist portion of the Democratic Party and Joe Biden? I don't actually think Joe Biden's going to put up much of a fight. I mean, he's gotten what he wanted, right? He's going to be inaugurated the president of the United States. He knew what he was doing when he picked Kamala Harris. I mean, that that's the thing about Democrats, for the most part, at least Democratic politicians, is they're not that principled of people. They might be ideological. They might have a political agenda, but it's not like Joe Biden is going to stand up there and say, wait a second, I am principally against packing the Supreme Court. He might recognize the political impracticality of it in certain senses. He might recognize from his past that it's hypocritical based on what he said, but like he's going, he can be convinced to move further left. I mean, we've seen that under our very noses compared to what he said uh, in the primaries versus what he's saying now, I don't think he's going to put up much of a fight. I think it's going to be very far leftist because they're not going to they're not going to listen to Republican minority voices in the House and the Senate. They're going to do whatever they want. Absolutely, they're going to dominate it. And to conclude mm. our conversation, I just have two more questions. First, sure, you became a prominent media figure at a young age. What advice yeah. would you give the kids in college or recent graduates who would want to make it in the political world or as a journalist? I would say uh, read a lot of books, read as many books as you can. Any Both. any books that you would recommend? Yes. So I actually made a list in my book. There's a whole chapter dedicated to 50 books that you should read if you want to be an educated conservative. So at the risk of sounding like I'm promoting my own book, which no, maybe promote I your own book. We're, we're going to do that anyway. <laughs> it but it's called Tipping book. Points, How to Topple the Less House of Cards. And there's a whole chapter, I think it's chapter seven, that has a whole list of books that young people should read. So Um, that is my first piece of advice. The second piece of advice builds on that. Know what you're talking about. 
really understand why you stand for what you stand for and understand why the left stands for what they stand for. Because when you start undergoing scrutiny, when the firestorm of the left starts criticizing you and hacking you, you better be strong in what you believe and understand why you believe it or else it's an untenable situation to be attacked like that. The third piece of advice builds on that. If you're going to be attacked, you need to be surrounded by a support system, family and friends, a church community, hopefully, who support you that you can come home from the political fray from and live a regular life. Those three things are the most important things that you can do if you want to be successful in conservative politics today. All right. And finally, America is currently divided and a lot of people are pessimistic about the future of our country. Can you give Americans a reason to be optimistic? Of course, I wouldn't be fighting the fight that I'm fighting every day if I didn't think there was hope for our country. If I truly thought we were about to be flushed down the toilet, I wouldn't be involved in this fray. I am involved in this fray. Of course we have hope. We have undergone as a nation tremendous conflict, tremendous wrongdoing. We, Gianna, we underwent a civil war. You know, we have correct course corrected from uh, a litany of evils inflicted on people, whether it was people of color, whether it was women. And every time we have managed to course correct, do not give up on the principles enshrined in our founding documents that allow us to both be sinners as men and course correct as a nation. We can do it if we don't abandon those principles. There it is, Liz Wheeler. Why don't you tell us how we can follow you? Uh, we're gonna mention your book again, but go ahead, mention your book for us. and. And so you put, you put out these dynamic videos every week that a lot of times go viral on your Instagram. So give us your uh, social media handles and how we can keep in touch. Definitely. So you can find my book, Tipping Points, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, anywhere that you find books. You can uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is where I release those videos. You can just go to joinlizwheeler.com. All three of those are one word, but joinlizwheeler is the URL. Joinlizwheeler.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz underscore uh, Wheeler. You can follow me on Facebook at official Liz Wheeler. Pretty much any any platform. You can follow me on Parlor for, you know, as long as Parlor is set to last right now. Uh, you'll find a blue check mark by my name on any profile that uh, is really me. And I, I hope you connect with me. Absolutely. Thank you, Liz Willow, for joining Out Loud with Gianna Caldwell. I truly appreciate your time and insight. Thanks, Gianna. It was great to talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks to Liz Willow for a great interview. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloud at gingerstreet60.com and I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Gianna Caldwell. And if you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans that Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producer, Stephen Jones, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and of course, speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. 
sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.